all you have. You are now tuned in to Hawkins Ways. You just sat back and ready to play. Let me take your thoughts far, far away. Now let's hear what Darth Vader has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. What's going on, Star Wars family? It's another wonderful day in the universe. I hope all is well on your side of the galaxy. It's been kind of hectic for me over the last week or so. I got the flu, then my truck broke, then the missus got sick. It ever feel like the whole universe is just against you? It's been like that ever since we moved. Nothing has gone right. It's just one thing after another. The only positive thing that has happened to me since I moved was the starting of this podcast. And I owe much of that to you. And I am so grateful for all of you tuning in and listening week after week. I really do appreciate that. Okay, enough about me and my miserable existence. Let's get to something more positive, like the inspirational quote. And this one is from the great Mark Twain. Mark said, whenever you find yourself on the side of the majority, it's time to pause and reflect. And I would like to add to that just a little bit. The most successful people in the world did not follow the majority, they followed their dreams. Now let's talk some Star Wars. How many of you watched the animated series Clone Wars? I want to hear your thoughts on the series. Tell me what you think. And you can do that by shooting me an email over at sway.audio at gmail.com. Let me know. I thought about maybe doing a couple shows talking about the new episodes, but I don't want to do that if there's not enough of you following the series. So let me know. Now, let's get to the book. We're about to start chapter six, so without wasting any more time, let's get to it. A week had passed since the mission on Halion. Daily doses of Colto had healed Scourge's wounds. Even his cracked ribs were fully mended, but his pride and confidence were still wounded. The mission had been a success, but things had gone a lot less smoothly than he would have liked. No doubt Setchell's report to Nyrus would paint each of his mistakes in the most garish tone. He was desperate to find some way to vent his frustrations, and today he had finally felt well enough to visit the Stronghold's exercise yard for a much-needed workout. He rarely went more than two or three days without practicing his drills, knowing that his continued survival would often depend on his martial expertise. Though there were others in the yard, none was a worthy sparring partner. He would gain little from testing himself against any of Murtaugh's soldiers. Even the guard captain himself wouldn't present any real challenge to a fully trained Sith Lord. Instead, he performed a complex routine of drills designed to hone his reflexes, all while wearing his heavy armor. His crimson blade hummed as he cycled through the aggressive thrusts and cuts of Juyo, the seventh form of lightsaber combat. The weapon moved so fast, it was nothing but a blur, but each strike was precise and controlled. In the middle of his routine, he noticed that Nyrus's young Twilix slave had entered the yard. She stood patiently off to one side, her head bowed respectfully. Scourge put an abrupt end to the session, knowing she would be here only if Nyrus had sent her. He flicked his lightsaber off and clipped it to his belt before crossing the yard to her. Darth Nyrus wishes to speak to you, the Twilix said softly, keeping her eyes focused on the ground. Will Setchel be there? he demanded. I do not know, my lord, she replied. Scourge frowned. He had not seen or spoken with Setchel since their return. Take me to Nyrus. The slave nodded, then turned and set off. Scourge fell into step behind her. He'd sought Setchel out several times over the past week, but the aide always seemed to be off on some task or assignment. It could have been coincidence, but it was also possible Setchel was avoiding him. If that was the case, Scourge might know why. During his recovery, he'd had plenty of time to think back on the mission. 
Rehashing it in his head had brought several inconsistencies to light. Things Setchell might not want to discuss with Scourge face to face. The slave was leading him through the east wing of the stronghold. She was moving quickly ahead of him, but with his long legs, Scourge had little trouble keeping up. As he walked, he continued to mull over the issue of Setchell. At the time, he'd credited the aide with saving his life by shutting down the manufacturing plant's power grid and disabling the security droids. Now he wondered if that had been an accident. The more he thought about it, the more the evidence seemed to indicate that Setchell hadn't wanted him to survive the mission. Setchell had obviously needed Scourge's help to get past the drones and the fence outside the plant, and he needed Scourge to hold off security long enough for him to slice into UDM's computer network. But after that, Scourge became expendable. Once the droids were deactivated, Setchell no longer needed the Sith Lord to protect him. What at first sounded like a paranoid fantasy became more and more plausible as Scourge recalled the specific details of the mission. He had no way of knowing how long it had taken Setchell to slice into the network, but he'd likely found the files he was looking for in the first few minutes. Looking back, it seemed as if he could have shut down the power grid much sooner than he had. What if Setchell had waited as long as possible before deactivating the droids, hoping they would have enough time to kill Scourge? From the records room, Setchell couldn't have seen what was happening out on the manufacturing floor. He'd probably assumed Scourge was already dead by the time he shut everything down. That would also explain why Setchell hadn't bothered to contact him with a warning that the plant was about to explode. He'd only mentioned the reactors because Scourge called him on the holocom after everything went dark. If Scourge hadn't initiated the holocall, Setchell might have slipped away in the darkness alone. Setchell's early assurances that UDM didn't have assault droids were also suspect. The units Scourge had encountered could have been experimental prototypes, as Setchell had claimed. But it was also possible he'd known about them all along and hadn't said anything, hoping Scourge would be caught off guard by their arrival. Three pieces of circumstantial evidence. A possible delay in shutting down the droids, Setchell not contacting him to warn about the impending explosion, and the unexpected presence of the assault droids weren't enough for Scourge to be certain of anything. Yet the fact that Setchell now seemed to be avoiding him further strengthened the Sith Lord's desire to question him in a very long, very private session. Unfortunately, that talk would have to wait. Setchell still enjoyed Nyrus's protection, and Scourge wasn't willing to risk the Dark Counselor's wrath by interrogating him. Not yet, at least. They had reached the door to Nyrus's private chamber. Scourge briefly considered whether he should say something about his suspicions to her, then decided against it. Setchell was an expert at political maneuvering. If he was guilty, involving Nyrus would only work in the advisor's favor. Better to confront him directly when the time was right. Well, this chapter starts off with Scourge looking back over his last mission and the injuries he got. He states that over the last week or so, he had been thinking about Setchell. Did Setchell try to set him up? I kind of question that too. You know, that dude is crafty. He, there's something going on with him. Scourge tries to analyze the entire engagement and he finds three things that he questions. Did Setchell know about the assault droids? And did he purposely take a long time to shut them off hoping that they would kill him? It did seem that way when we went through the chapter. And now Setchell is avoiding him. All of these are speculation. He has no proof. But Scourge still wants to question Setchell about it. He just knows that Setchell is under Nyrus's protection and he can't. And it's making him very, very mad. So he tries to find some way to vent his anger. He knows that there's nobody there that can compete with his martial skills. 
So he starts some practice drills that he designed to perfect his skills because he knows his martial might might save his life one day. Then Naira sends her slave to get him. And that's about where we're at. Let's get to the rest of this chapter right now. The Twilix slave knocked lightly on the door, and Iris's voice called out, Enter! From the other side. Once again, Nyrus sat at the computer console in the center of the room. As she rose from her chair and turned to face Scourge, the slave closed the door, sealing the three of them alone in the room. I was given word you had recovered from your injuries, Nyrus said. Nothing serious, my lord, Scourge replied. You seem to have a habit of getting wounded in my service. I was surprised by the assault droids. And I'm surprised they gave you so much trouble. Scourge remained silent. Nyra stretched her dry, cracked lips into an unsettling grin that seemed to fill the entire lower half of her wrinkled face. Scourge endured the rictus without comment until it mercifully faded. I find it odd that someone with your reputation would be hard-pressed to defeat a single assault droid and a few patrol drones, yet you dispatched my mercenaries with ease. It was obvious she was getting at something, but Scourge had no idea what it might be. I... I don't understand, he finally admitted. No, you don't, she agreed, briefly flashing another disconcerting smile. Recite the Sith code for me, she instructed, sounding like one of the trainers at the academy. Peace is a lie. There is only passion. Through passion I gain strength. The words came easily to Scourge. The mantra had been drilled into his brain during the training until it was second nature. Through strength I gain power. Through power I gain victory. Through victory my chains are broken. You know the words. But you do not truly understand them, Nyrus admonished. The dark side draws on the most powerful emotions. Anger, hatred, fear. We are taught to use our emotions to unlock our true potential and unleash the force against our enemies. Scourge pushed down the impatience threatening to rise within him. She was saying nothing he hadn't heard countless times during his apprenticeship. But she must have a reason he wasn't yet seeing. The Force runs through every living being, she went on. When we fight an opponent of flesh and blood, we draw on their emotions as well. All who follow the dark side instinctively do this on some level. It is so instinctive that the most instructors feel it does not need to be taught. She paused, and again he wondered where she was going with all this. I have studied your records from the Academy and observed your battle with the mercenaries in my courtyard, she said at last. You have a special gift. You do not just feed on the raw emotions of your foe. You gorge yourself on them. You feast on their primal fear. It amplifies your hate and anger. It fuels the power of the Force. It transforms you into an instrument of death and destruction. Scourge nodded. Battling a living foe was intoxicating. With each attack and counter, he felt a rush of heat coursing through his veins, energizing and empowering him. Yet he had felt almost none of that at the UDM plant. 
When I fought the security droid, there was nothing to grab onto. It was cold. Empty. Precisely. You tried to feed off its non-existent emotions, and in doing so only made yourself weaker. I wonder that this wasn't observed in you. Even the most powerful gift needs guiding to be used effectively. She shook her head. You are so used to using your gift that you neglect the most basic source of power. Yourself. The next time you find yourself in a similar situation, you must turn your focus inward. Draw on your own emotions, and you will destroy your mechanical enemies as readily as you slaughter your organic ones. Scourge nodded. He did not like being lectured, but her observation was a good one. He realized that he had indeed learned to rely on the emotions of his enemies to feed his power, and he had not seen that such a gift could also be a weakness, but one that, with time and practice, could be overcome. A valuable lesson, my lord. One I will take to heart. I have enough sycophants working for me, she answered, brushing off his gratitude. But none can do what I do, Skirt reminded her. Nyra spread her lips into another gruesome smile, and Scourge resisted the urge to shudder as a chill crawled down his spine. We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. I hope your restored confidence will serve you well on your next mission, she said. The files that you recovered from the UDM proved quite fruitful. He traced the payment for the custom droids sent to assassinate me back to a group of radical human separatists from Boss Thirda, dedicated to freeing their world from the tyranny of the Emperor and the Dark Council. Heavy sarcasm dripped from her voice, and Scourge shared her contempt. There were some enemies he could respect. There were some causes he could understand, even if he fought against them. This was not one of them. There were recently conquered worlds that suffered under the Empire's yoke. Planets like Halion, where rebellion was to be expected. But Bostirda had been part of the Empire for hundreds of years. Its people were full citizens, with all the rights and privileges of those on Dromund Kaas. Human separatist propaganda might cry out against unfair treatment of their species, but Scourge knew their claims were unfounded. The original Dark Jedi who taught the Sith tribes the ways of the Force millennia ago had been human, and though their bloodlines had been absorbed into Sith aristocracy long ago, humans still made up the vast majority of the Imperial population. There were human slaves, of course, but these were individuals born into the lower ranks of society, or those who had fallen through their own failures and weaknesses. Unlike other lesser species, they were not persecuted or discriminated against in any real way. There were no laws limiting their movements, no restrictions on what rank or position they could hold. Humans could rise to the highest ranks of the Imperial military. A number of worlds were even ruled by wealthy and powerful human families, and the Emperor had appointed many humans to serve on the Dark Council. 
Of the 12 current members, five were human, including Darth Zedrix, the counselor with the longest active service. Humans had no right or reason to complain about their status in the Empire. The Separatists were nothing but ungrateful scum and traitors. Why did they target you? Scourge wondered aloud. Why not strike at the Emperor himself? The Emperor is too well protected, Nyra said. Since they cannot get to him, one of the longest-serving members of the Dark Council is the next best thing. And they would never strike at Darth Cedrix, she added. He is human. They probably consider him one of their own. What about Darth Egrol? Scourge asked. He is Sith, and he has served longer than anyone except Darth Cedrix. Egrol resides on Droman Fells. Killing one of the Dark Council on Droman Kos, the Imperial Capital, makes more of a statement. She paused. They may also have chosen me because of my history with Darth Zedrix. Ever since I joined the Dark Council, there has been animosity between us. At the time, he was one of the most powerful members. Yet even from the start, he sensed my potential and feared it. For decades, he has schemed against me. But I have outmaneuvered him every time. Slowly building up my allies and influence, while his have dwindled away. Nyrus wasn't telling Scourge anything new. It was common knowledge that members of the Dark Council typically viewed one another as dangerous rivals, and there were always rumors of shadowy feuds being fought behind the scenes. Scourge believed the Emperor actually encouraged the infighting, since it dissuaded the various members from uniting their resources against him. Despite what Nyrus claimed, however, her rivalry with Darth Zedrix had been anything but one-sided. Both had seen their fortunes rise and fall and rise again, with neither able to gain enough of an upper hand to eliminate the other. Somehow Scourge didn't think it would be prudent to mention this. The Separatists probably see my rivalry with Darth Cedrix as proof I dislike all humans. Untrue, of course, but a well-crafted lie will often serve where truth will not. Her logic was sound, but the reasons hardly mattered. The Separatists had tried to kill a member of the Dark Council. There had to be retribution. I will find these traitors and eviscerate them, he declared. They've already been found. Setchel was able to use the information he acquired at UDM to locate their base in the mountains of Bostirda. If they heard about the destruction of the UDM plant, they may be suspicious. We must strike quickly before they can move to a new location. My people are leaving for Bastyrta tonight. You will accompany them. You're sending Setchel with me again? Nyrus nodded. They may have connections to other terrorist groups. Setchel will be able to slice their records and find out who they are working with. I'm also sending Murtaugh and his soldiers with you. Setchel will be your precision instrument, the soldiers will be your blunt tool. Scourge would have preferred to leave Setchel behind, at least until he'd had a chance to confirm his suspicions. He briefly considered sharing his concerns with Nyrus, then decided to stick with his original plan of keeping them to himself. He'd just have to keep a close eye on Setchel during the mission, and be wary of walking into any traps. There would be plenty of time to deal with him once the Separatists were eliminated. 
and he had proven himself worthy in Darth Nyrus's eyes. The human filth will die, my lord, Scourge promised, bowing low. I will not fail. Okay, okay, okay. I swear Nyrus is a super gangster. She basically tells Scourge that she was surprised that the droids gave him so much trouble. She starts treating him like a student, telling him to recite the Sith Code. Then she tells him that he knows the words, but he doesn't know what it means. Basically saying, you've been studying this forever and you don't even know what it means. She tells him that he has a powerful gift. The only problem is that no one has ever taught him how to use it. All Dark Side Force users feed on the fear of their opponents, but he gorges himself on them. Then she states that the droids have no emotion, so he had nothing to gorge on. That's why they gave him so much trouble. Good observation. She tells him that he must learn how to draw upon his own emotions. Only then will he slaughter the droids as easy as he does his organic opponent. Gersh thanks her for the information, then she tells him she doesn't want her things. I see why the Sith got wiped out, they're just a bunch of evil brats. Nyrus goes on to tell Scourge that she is sending him and her other people to raid a Separatist base. Scourge asks, is Central going? Nyrus tells him that Central must go. He's the one that got to hack their computers to get the information that they need. Scourge isn't happy with this news, but what can he do? And that's the end of this chapter. I will see you guys next week when we look at chapter 7. So until then, remember, keep your eyes on the sky. Thank you for listening to Sway. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can find us and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shit and is a production of Pick Film Media. This show was produced by Quentin McDaniel, sound designed by Theodore Thompson, researched by Tammy Turner. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.